We are live right. on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, Carcoulage for the sports hit list by the fans and for the fans. Thank you for spending your afternoon with us as we talk sports. This is what we do. We're here to give you a good show for the next hour, hour and a half. Uh, again, I can't thank the fans enough for liking, sharing, subscribing to the Sports Hitless brand. We kick off with football. I know Travis is happy with that. Now we're in full swing for football season, so why not start with the NFL? Mr. Box Office, welcome back, bro. How you doing? I'm good, man. You know, week two, we just making it through the week. Hopefully nobody got injured today. You know, all these injuries going on. <laughs> we have the New York native Florida resident himself, Mr. Ricardo HTN. Ricardo, how you doing, sir? Yo, doing good, man. Doing good. Hope y'all doing well too, fellas. He was known as the MVP. He was known as uh what was your other nickname? Um Paul the Great. Paul the Great. And now he's the football guy. So every now and then he has to update the nickname. The football guy. What's up, sir? You know how it is. Big time players make big time plays. And it can only be one football guy. And that's me. I mean, it, it, to me, it seemed like a downgrade. You went from MVP to all the great. It seems like you downgrade now here, man. You I'm just saying, like, are, are you are you past your prime? Yeah, I'm just saying, know. like, you know what I mean? <laughs> are, are, are you Drew Brees in it out here? Forty year old quarterbacks. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, mm. just let me My know. Cookies. My uh, wife, you know what I mean? I'm just saying, like. We got a downgrade. So we have a newcomer to the stage. Uh, we have Declan Frogman. Declan, thank you for joining us. Uh, I, can I call you a protege of Greg Polius? Is that safe to say? I guess you can. You, don't, you, you stop, don't want that. You gotta, you gotta stop calling me Frogman, man. <laughs> I, just, I said that for an easy pronunciation. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. How, how you doing, man? <laughs> Pretty good. Uh, just so you guys know, I won't be changing my name like Ron Arte. I mean, Paul Lawson over there. Uh, <laughs> Said you met a well out here. <laughs> yeah, right. All right. So, gentlemen, <laughs> let me start off by saying uh, on Sunday, we did the first ever kickoff show. So kudos to Travis for pitching that. It was a great success. Thank you for everyone for watching. Thank you to Errol Marks of the Worldwide Sports Radio Network for giving us the opportunity and the platform. So 12.30 kickoff, if you want to get more insight with the NFL for your Sunday and your fantasy picks and no predictions, join us. We had the opportunity to do our, our own pick em here on the sports hit list, and I have the standings for those. And I just wanted to give a little bit of incentive. So there will be a cash prize at the end of this. So uh, for every win that you receive that, that you guess correctly, you get one point. So let me show the standings here. Let me do that screen share thing for everyone to see. And... Here are the standings. Can we see that? There we go. So we got Rick coming in first place with 11 points. Hey. Second, po second place, we have Travis with nine points. And tied for third, Paul the Great, or what he's going by, the football guy, and Ray at eight points. So those are our third and the football guy, huh? So any comments after that, guys? Any, any comments after seeing the standings? Hey, now that I know there's a cash prize on the line, <laughs> I won't get in with television rating picks. Like the Jets. I was going to say, you won't be picking the Jets anymore, I'm huh? Just, I'm just saying, like, either so come Rick, correct or don't come at all. It shouldn't so matter. Rick, so Rick, prize, just keep, you know what I mean? Rick, Rick, just keep in mind, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. You're in it's how you finish, down. exactly. So what are your thoughts being in the lead early on after week two? Hey, just like you said, man, it's only week two, so it's good to start out high, but, you know, I got to maintain, so we'll see how it goes. All right. So today I wanted to start off with the injuries. But let me let the people know there was a big debate in the sports hit list 
uh, football chat about, you know, should I talk about injuries? People telling me I don't watch enough football. I shouldn't talk about injuries. So should we talk about the injuries that they had? They had about 21 in week two, or is it something that we could push past us because football sees a lot of injuries during the year? Box office. I mean, it, it's, I don't think it's necessarily the injuries because injuries happen in football. I think the conversation needs to be more about the importance of the preseason and the offseason program. Uh, as we know, because of the pandemic going on, the offseason program was kind of cut. And they that's how they kind of started the first two weeks of training camp implementing the offseason program and then went into regular training camp. These guys have only been in pads for about, I don't even think a month yet, maybe a month now. But usually those preseason games are important because it gives you the ability to rev up, you know, start off slowly. You got to remember, like, these, they're still human and they're going out here with these collisions, man. It's no joke. You got to give the body time to acclimate to that. And they just haven't had that time. And injuries happen. I mean, it's, it's part of the game. It sucks to see a lot of the stars go down, especially this early in the season. But, like, fo- football is next man up, man. All right. Uh, the football guy, what were your thoughts overall with week two? Aside from your picks, what were your thoughts about the play? Uh, I mean, it's always great. The NFL never disappoints. Um, when you think about the product that we're able to see, especially in the early weeks of the season when there's no bye weeks, we get a chance to watch football in its full duration, right? I think it was 10, 10 1 o'clock games. I mean, when you think about that product. But I did want to play a little bit devil's advocate for Mr. Mr. Cookie Man himself. Um, while I do agree that not having contact throughout all the training camp might have had some sort of impact on injuries, preseason star players don't play, right? So, for example, let's use Saquon Barkley, who was the biggest name who went down. He played a grand total of 11 snaps in the last, last year's preseason, 11 snaps. So, you mean think about that. How many times did he get hit, right? Six of those plays was pass plays. He was a marginal blocker or a decoy. So, there is a part of the game, like my man, the Mr. Commissioner Ray would say, that just says football is a dangerous sport and there will be injuries. Um, I don't want to go out there on a limb and say no preseason is why we, we've seen these casualties, because if that's the case, we probably would have seen it week one, not in week two. or what's... Not necessarily, though. Well, go ahead. So that's my two cents on that. And have them okay. slow is ready. Have them ready. <laughs> All right. Rick, what were your thoughts about week two? Did you enjoy the games? Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed the games and the injuries were definitely a, a, a big part of it. And I kind of, um, well, I don't, not to say I enjoyed the injuries, but I'm just saying that was a big part of uh, week two. And I agree with what both guys said, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know, you need to kind of rev it up a little bit and get that training camp in full, you know, like pro offseason program in to be able to just get your body going and ready for this sport. Um, yes, I also agree, maybe, you know, some of those guys probably wouldn't play the preseason anyway, and it would have been the cir- same circumstance. There's been folks mention, um, uh, I think it's Keyshawn said something about the cleats these kids are wearing these days. Um, you know, there's there was uh, complaints about the field um, at, at, at MetLife. So there's a lot of things that people are kind of pointing to to, to, to try to make out what it is we saw on Sunday from an injury standpoint is just the fact that you've seen so many top guys. I mean, you're talking, you know what I mean, ACLs popping left and right. Your two, you know, your two star running backs in, in the league, uh, starting quarterbacks. And we just now today, think about it, we're just now coming off of all of that. And today we're finding out about this uh, Tyrod Taylor situation with, 
with the team doctor puncturing his lung. Like, I mean, it's just the, the things that went on medically in the NFL on Sunday were just ridiculous, you know? Yeah. Declan, what are your thoughts overall about week two? I mean, crazy week. I mean, first off, if you want to go to the Tyrod Taylor thing, um, my sources are telling me that the Chargers team doctor this weekend was Dr. Mark Herbert, father of Justin. Wait, hold on. Time out. You got sources on the first oh, Wait, wait. New, you got new guy got sources. Wait, wait, wait. He showed, you got he sources. Up, he, he showed up late. He showed up with no donuts. Hold on, hold on. I couldn't let that slide. He got sources. I couldn't let that slide. He said I have sources. I couldn't let that slide, man. Yo. People. Tell him to contact me. I need some new sources, too. Right. Uh, uh, okay. Yeah, those, those people aren't real. I just pretty much said that Justin Herbert's dad was the Chargers team doctor. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> But go ahead, uh, Declan. So overall thoughts about week two. Week two was really exciting. Uh, injuries kind of put a damper on things, especially from a fantasy standpoint and a, and a human standpoint. Uh, C-Mac went down. He's probably going to be out for, uh, what was it, four to six weeks, they said. Four to six, uh, which yeah. Is, which he said is going to be a challenge. The Saquon injury is brutal. Uh, and now we're starting to hear, you know, rumblings in the MetLife turf. Um, which is kind of interesting because I don't want to use the word sources, but I have heard in the past that they use that cookie cutter, like there's like stick them in the ground. I forgot the exact terminology, but it's, it's artificial, like as it gets. So now it's hard too. So there's a lot of injuries there. Uh, I don't, I wouldn't expect Kittle to play next week for that reason. And obviously Jimmy G, they announced on Sunday that he was going to be out. Uh, Nick Mullins was going to start against the giants, which I'm sure won't make any difference as a giants fan, but Week two, I thought it was very exciting. I was impressed by Joe Burrow uh, and Baker Mayfield. The Sunday night, uh, excuse me, the Thursday night game was really good. Both those guys really amped it up to a prime time level for two first overall picks. Uh, Baker coming off a bad year, uh, and Herbert, uh, excuse me, Joe Burrow coming off a pretty decent week. But overall, you know, week two was pretty exciting. I wanted fantasy, so pretty satisfied. All right. Travis, any surprises with any teams that are two and zero or zero and two in your opinion? Uh, I mean, some I would have to give a surprise two and zero team would be to the Cardinals, especially seeing how they played the San Francisco 49ers in that first game, and the 49ers without a hundred percent. So I would say that's a big surprise right there. I know a lot of people are on the Kyler Murray bandwagon, and they, you know, they see him as that's taking that second year leap to the MVP category. But I, I am surprised to see that they started off 2-0, especially more, more of that first game, getting one against the 49ers. Uh, our surprise, my surprise 0-2 team, man, would have to be the Minnesota Vikings, man. I mean, what's going on in Minnesota? I think it's a lot, it's, I think it's a lot of different issues. That defense is not what it was a few years ago. Uh, the secondary, they're struggling. That's a big uh, – they're doing a lot of rebuilding in that secondary. The safeties have always been on, on point, but those cornerbacks are out there not looking too good. And then the loss of Stephon Diggs seems to be big because um, Kirk Cousins, he's out there. Nobody else other than Thielen is making plays out there. I've seen a lot of drop balls going on between the other receivers, so therefore – He's getting in situations where Captain Kirk is out there trying to push the ball and force it to Thielen. He's out there throwing in a wild double coverage. And then you already know Mike Zimmer, he's going to be upset because he don't want to pass the ball anyway. He just want to run and play defense. So it's a lot of different things going on in that locker room. But to see them fall 0-2 right out of the gate, that was shocking, especially from a Mike Zimmer team. 
The football guy, do you have any surprise for teams that are 0-2 or 2-0? Oh, can we hear you? We can't hear you. Biggest ahead, surprise would be the Raiders. Um, you know, coming in, you know, we know we did the AFC West preview and we talked about how complex it could be to play in Vegas, my favorite home outside of home. Um, sorry you're not there, Rick. I know you were supposed to be. But uh, – <laughs> Listen, I mean, the Raiders on both sides of the football, offensively, they look really good. Derek Carr is actually starting to look like a top draft pick for the first time in years. He looks like that year one card that I think won 13 games. Josh Jacobs is a machine, but I mean, the way they're running the offense through Darren Waller is just unstoppable. Biggest surprise, 0 2 team for me would have to be the Eagles, man. Like, I mean, I've been talking about how hot the seat is for Doug Peterson. You guys thought I was crazy, but still do marginal but. football team the last three <laughs> years, right? Outside of winning the Super Bowl, and when you think about, they should have beat Washington. It was up seventeen nothing early, blew that game in a, in a horrific fashion, and was completely dominated against what most thought was a was a weak Rams team, which now suddenly seems to be very very powerful. Um, with a bunch of no-name guys, you know, the Eagles are my concern. I'm hearing rumblings of Jalen Hurts possibly getting some action as a full-time QB, despite Carson Wentz just cashing out on a $170 million contract. So mm. the Eagles are the biggest shocker for me. All right. Rick, any team surprised down 0-2 or 2-0? I know last week you predicted your team to win, and unfortunately they did not. So uh, any any surprises? Yeah, I mean, uh, as far as my, you know, again, I'm a fan of the Dolphins, so I'm always going to ride with the Dolphins, you know. Um, it's the 0-2 the there doesn't necessarily surprise me. Again, expectations are what they are in Miami, and as long as people, you know, maintain that mindset, we have the plan in place. Like, let's not start getting ahead of ourselves and think we're more than we are and force our hand on anything. So I'm good with them. I agree with uh, Paul as far as the most disappointing uh, as for the 0-2 start with the Eagles, I mean, that's that's a bad look. Um, he mentioned it, should have beaten Washington, didn't even look like they were competing um, against the Rams. Uh, Goddard's probably the only one who's looked any good in that offense. I mean, uh, they got some issues there. My um, most surprising 2-0 team, I got to go with the Tennessee Titans, man. Like, um, we know what they was coming into the game with, with, uh, with Derrick Henry. We know the kind of dog they got in that backfield. Um, but it ain't just been him. It's been Ryan Tannehill out there really doing his thing. And even as a Dolphins fan, as long as he was in Miami, um, it, was, it always rang true that when he was protected, he was productive. When he had a positive running game, he was productive. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So to see what he's able to do out there in Tennessee, he's at 70%, uh, 70% completion percentage. You know, I don't think he's throwing an interception yet. Like, and he's throwing it to, you know, obviously the uh, A.J. Brown coming in, we expected him to have a huge um, leap year. He's not been 100% yet, so we haven't seen him out there. But Corey Davis is out there balling. He's got his, this tight end, Joe Smith, that I don't think many of us knew who he was uh, prior to a couple of weeks ago. So um, I like what I'm seeing from Ryan Tannehill as he's leading that offense over there. And again, you know you're going to get at least maybe what two or three 
250 plus yard games from Derrick Henry. We'll see that at some point. We'll get one of those uh, 97 yard runs from him that wins a game. We'll see that too. So if Ryan Tannehill is, is uh, able to win you a couple of games, even before Derrick Henry starts having to win you some games, Tennessee might be in a good position when we get down to the end of the season. Uh, Declan, same question. Do you see any uh, any surprises start 2-0 or 0-2 in your opinion? Uh, yeah, I got I got a couple. Um, I'd like to start with the Jets. Uh, just kidding. Um, I'm gonna, uh... <laughs> 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 Star, I think that was for you, Greg. I think that was a shot at Greg. You know that's for Greg. That's a sub at Greg. That's a sub at Greg. Taking shots at Greg. I love this kid already, Greg. I love him. Taking shots at his mentor, I guess. Go ahead. He's saying he's in class. I just saw him in the comments. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> How do you shot? Yo, you just threw him oh. over the bus. He's supposed to be in class. All right, I don't he think just... his professor's watching this. <laughs> you don't know. Yo, you never know. I guess, you never know. Yo, we hey, there's fans out there. <laughs> <laughs> but go ahead, Declan. Any teams two and zero or two? My surprise zero and two team right now would it be the Atlanta Falcons. Um, although they did, they have had a tough schedule. They look promising, especially yesterday against uh, Rays Cowboys. Excuse me, uh, it's Wednesday, uh, Sunday against Rays Cowboys. I thought that, that was kind of a surprise to me, especially with Matt Ryan passing, moving the ball like it's nobody's business. He had 450 in the first game and then had over three bills uh, on Sunday. Todd Gurley having a little bit of a rejuvenance, hopefully. I like him this year and the receiving court. Cal- oh, Greg just mentioned me a comment. I can't see it though. My phone's dead. Uh, Calvin Ridley's really starting to take over that offense. It's obviously Julio Jones's receiving core, but the two, the two one, two punch between them uh, is pretty electric. So I was a little bit surprised to see them go. Oh, and two, especially after they were up big on Dallas. Uh, my surprise two and O team kind of a similar uh, situation here. I thought that the bears would have been my surprise. And then I realized, wait, they played the Lions and they played the Giants. So Trubisky has looked good. And I didn't think that they would be, although I did kind of expect them to be 2-0. I didn't think them, uh, excuse me. I didn't think that they would perform as well as they did. Uh, my surprise team would be the Rams. Everybody wrote them off after last year, after they had a bit of a Super Bowl hangover. Uh, everyone was saying Jared Goff isn't the guy. They shouldn't have paid him. They were on hard knocks. It's an immediate disadvantage, although they've kind of shaped the rules to be uh, more team friendly and less viewer friendly. Uh, but Jared Goff's looked good. They beat Dallas, push off call, bad call, Jalen Ramsey, if you want. It was a bad call, but still, they did go in and beat Dallas in their home opener. Uh, and then they went into Philly, stormed in, and took over a team that is kind of hurting right now, but it's still, it was still a playoff team uh, just last year. So I was pretty impressed by the Rams. I didn't think that they would beat both Dallas and Philly, uh, but they did, and here we are. Uh- I know it's week two, but surprisingly on my script, we want to talk about coaches on the hot seat. How do we have coaches on the hot seat after two weeks of football? Is that like, and I know people want to say, give them an opportunity, give them a chance. Same thing in sports. Are we, are we pushing that narrative too early to, to, to have coaches on hot seats, uh, box office? No, because it's the NFL. You only have 16 weeks. This ain't the NBA. We don't got 82 useless games, but (laughs) it's the NFL. So therefore, (laughs) 
every game counts, you know what I mean? So therefore, the pressure is on from the start. God, sick right now. <laughs> Face, you, know? you know what I mean? So therefore, yes, especially when you're returning off seasons that you have underperformed, take, uh, we already know Dan Quinn is on the hottest seat in the NFL, but take Matt Patricia, for example. Matt Patricia's won like nine games since he's been there. You, They fired Jim Caldwell, who won nine games his last year there. So to sit here and think like, that you just get you get this window, even though you're it's only through week two, dude. The pressure's on. You gotta make you gotta turn this around real fast. All right. And anybody else anything to add? I think pretty much uh Travis pretty much summed it up. Yeah, yeah I mean that, that yeah, that's right. one of those things. Yeah, just just piggybacking. It comes down to ineptitude, you know what I mean? Like you can't when when you've had a, a brief history or a recent history of falling short or being on the hot seat to a certain level or whatever the case is you've, you've got to come out looking like you've improved. And when you're looking at teams like the Falcons, teams like the Jets, um, you know, borderline on, on uh, the Lions, just because, you know, they've had a lot of goofy injury situations um, in their backfield specifically. But again, you can't come into a season looking as bad as you look in these first two, two weeks when you was already on the hot seat. So at that point, it's got to be like, bro, can you do this job? Like, legit, can you do this job? All right, football guy, anything to add to that? I think you just got to look at it with a big lens. You know, a lot of these guys that are on the hot seat have already been on hot seats or the, the, the mum ones have been there. But let's just use Dan Quinn as an example. He should have been fired the moment that the clock hit zero. The window of winning in the NFL is the slimmest window in all of the major sports. Why do I say that? See, in the NBA, you could have LeBron James for six years, which means you could be highly competitive for six years. You could have the Steph Curry project where he runs his rookie contract and then re-ups and does a, a three and a one, right? So you got seven years of superstar talent in place that you can build around. The NFL's window is three years maximum, right? The Patriots have been the only novelty to that. But when you look mm -hmm. at what you see in Philadelphia, so you won a Super Bowl and you've been a 500 ball club while adding more talent, more talent, more talent. The same guy drafting these guys that haven't panned out is the guy on the hot seat. So at some point you say to yourself, if you're the owner, you might have to wait another 15 years to start that three-year window if you're lucky. And that's unfortunately what teams like the Giants are going through, right? You think about the Eli Manning Super Bowls and what they've been since. Mark Sanchez with Rex Ryan, that was another three-year window. And then we, we've seen where that's been since then. Carolina Panthers. Most teams have already began that turnover process. This is almost like the guy who runs Foot Locker, right? If you're not making the budget, they bring in another manager to come in and do the job. And the cycle just continues to go on and go on and go on. That's why you don't typically see tenure in the NFL at the coaching position. Can you guys hear me? I'm sorry. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I got you. Yeah. Uh, Greg Polish just said, Paul always answers like he's a politician. That's what he said. And who likes politicians? Nobody likes politicians. Are you running That's for a, are you running for your local uh congressman there, Paul? Football guy? Is that what listen, you're doing? 
given the way our city is right now, for anybody out there who's watching, your guy is your guy. Oh, bro. You have another cameo. <laughs> See? Politicians just tell you what you want to hear, man. That's why I trust them. Uh, Declan, if you had to give a game ball to an offensive and defensive player for week two, who you got? Uh, game ball defense, James Bradbury was pretty good for the Giants. He got that crazy pick. <laughs> don't, I don't want to hear it. First of all, after this, I would like to give a quick pushback to what uh, Paul just said. Not the politician part. Uh, that speaks for itself. But I'd like to give a quick pushback to what he said before. Um, but before that, James Bradbury was voted, uh, excuse me, not voted. He was named PFF's uh, Defensive Player of the Week uh, in Week 2. He had a great pick on Trubisky, and he added some tackles, too. Uh, and now going back, offensive, I'll think about it. But going back to what, uh, if, you, if you guys don't mind, what Paul said about Doug Peterson. Um, Doug Peterson, although they have started off bad, He's made the playoffs each of the last three years, including that Super Bowl year, 17, 18, and 19. So he won the Super Bowl in 2017 when Wentz went down. Then in 2018, Wentz went down again and Foles took him to the playoffs. Won them a game, Cody Parkey, but they won them a game anyway in Chicago. And then last year they went to the playoffs with, I think they were pulling guys off the street to go play corner. They had practice squad receivers because that team was injured. And then, you know, the icing on the cake was Wentz get going down against the Seahawks in the wild card round. And four-year-old Josh McCown, who's now making 12K a year living in Texas as the Eagles' emergency quarterback, uh, went to battle for Doug Peterson. So I think the, the criticism of Doug Peterson is a little bit harsh. I understand he's got to do a better job. That team as a whole has to do a better job. But I, I just want to pump the brakes a little bit on the Doug Peterson plan. That's the difference between me and you, Deck. Young guys like to hold on. Moral victories. Tenure. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what I'm going to tell you about Doug Peterson. That was an Andy Reid Eagles team that ended up winning that Super Bowl, right? Let's call it for what it is. Let's call it for what it is. It was an Andy Reid football club. Doug Peterson has been marginal in the draft. This is why they are getting receivers off the street, right? This is exactly why they didn't have a backup plan. You got a 45-year-old Josh McCown who can't even throw anymore, right? This is why they are in that position. He's also been a guy who's greenlit key moves outside of the organization. You let a guy like Malcolm Jenkins walk because you don't want to pay. Mm. Well, he was the anchor of your defense. Michael Bennett was an anchor on a defensive line. You handed him to Bill Belichick. So when you start thinking about he made the playoffs, that also played a huge role in how many other teams just had bad years, like the Dallas Cowboys, right? And a weak division, right? You're talking about the Redskins and the Giants the last seven years that have been abysmal, right? So the opportunity to win nine games in, in the NFC East has been very, very easy. We're talking about an eight and eight ball club, a nine and seven ball club for Jeffrey Lurie, who's added a ton of money and value into the Eagles that expects to be a 12 win team pushing for the Lombardi trophy. And that just hasn't happened. And this year, I guarantee you, if they don't make the playoffs, which I don't think they will, Doug Peterson will be like you in fantasy baseball watching from the couch. <laughs> All right, guys, 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 Tag me in on guys, that one. Guys, guys, how guys, 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 How was that an Andy Reid team? Oh an Andy Reid team, how, when, Chip, when Chip Kelly came in and dismantled everything Andy Reid did, dude. Oh, like, Chip for for the for, for all the black He literally shipped out, out everybody. Listen, Chip Kelly, Deshaun Jackson. Chip Kelly shipped out a few high voice individuals. 
LaShawn McCoy. Shipped out the talent. <laughs> he didn't ship out all the talent. All right. All right, guys. Rapid fire. Nick rapid Foles. fire here. Yo, just quick rapid fire here. Who are your offensive and defensive game balls going to? Travis? Uh, I'm gonna give it to Russell Wilson, man, out there. 288 yards, five touchdowns, another 39 yards on the ground. And rapid fire. Rapid All right, fire. all right. Just <laughs> this, I can go faster. That's a name in a name. Defense, defensive, defensive player, I'm gonna give it to um, TJ Watt up, up in Pittsburgh, man. Two and a half sacks, four tackles, and a W. All right, Rick. Up, you only got to get Rick, the who you got. Um, I'm co-signing uh, Russell Wilson. Five touchdowns in those five different receivers. That he, he's out there balling. Defense. I'm going with a team once again, specifically team uh, defense and special teams. The Chiefs uh, stopping uh, the Chargers on a pretty solid-looking drive towards the end of that game to turn it around. And then you know when you got a kicker that could go out and make three straight 58-yard field goals easily, you got to give them the game ball. All right, uh, football guy, game balls, who you got? Offensively, Darren Waller, for obvious reasons. Defensively, I'm going with the entire Indianapolis Colts defense. Hell, uh, Mr. Kurt, big overpaid cousins to 95 yards passing, no mm-hmm. running game, completely dominated, uh, seven straight three and outs. When you think about that, that's exactly why Come the Colts on, man. Are. I mean, I mean, we would have to, 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 we had to, we would have 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 to, we would on the streaming service with Carl Kulan Sports Hit List. I want to challenge Travis from now until the end of the football season. We're going to do a pick em. We going to hey. NBA guy. That's what I'm talking now, about, Matt. Okay. I, I tagged you last week. Last week, I had I had a great week. Only one game wrong. Only one game wrong. I does this. It's a sports science. I, I does this. So I want to challenge you. The winner, the loser, excuse me, has to pronounce the other sport God of all sports in America. <laughs> oh, wow. You know what? Man, I accept that challenge right there, sir. <laughs> there we go, my yeah, man. You know you cut out for this shit. My Yo. Man. <laughs> my man. So, you know what? Let's make our Thursday. You know what? So let's make our Thursday picks right now. Travis, for, for, for the game on Thursday, Dolphins versus Jags, who you got? Let me get I'm going to go to the Jags. You're going to go to the Jags, okay. Um, football guy, who you got? I'm going to the Minshew. Give me the Jags. The Jags. Okay. Rick? Yeah, on this one, again, man, I was trying to ride the whole crowd with Miami on uh, this past Monday, but uh, uh, Sunday, sorry. But I got to roll with the Jags, man. They're looking pretty good. Miami doesn't have it figured out yet. We're not ready. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, Carl, you know what? Take that back. Give me Ryan Fitzpatrick. Give me the <laughs> Dolphins. They're going to prepare better. They're going to beat the Jags. Okay. I hope I'm wrong on this one. <laughs> okay, so Rick, you got the Jags too, right? Yeah, yeah. Hopefully I'm wrong, but I got the Jags. Travis has the Jags, and then um, MVP has the Dolphins. Uh, Coach, who you got? I got the Jags, man. You got the Jags? Go out and live. What you talking about? You talking all that? Go out and live. I don't got to go on a limb. Declan, who you got, man? Declan, who you got? I don't got to go on a limb. I got to go with the right picks, man. Declan, who you got here? I want to go out of the limb and say that, and say the Dolphins they look. I'm not going to. I just I want to. 
Uh, they looked really good against the Bills. Uh, Rick, obviously, we have Dolphin Green Walls. It only seems fitting to pick them. I can't do it. I can't do it. Gardner Minshew, and there was no Gardner Minshew one. He's not tanked with Trevor Lawrence. This is a big cat league, big cat team. They're winning on Thursday, uh, and Gardner's going to show out, as he has, almost beat the Titans uh, on Sunday. So he's going to do it on Thursday. All right. So, Coach, so coach, we'll take the rest of your picks on Sunday during our kickoff show. If you can make the show, it would be great. If not, I'll just read them off. Nah, nah. I want to let the football guys have their football day. I'm not going to intrigue on their – it's your party. I'm just an invited guest. I'm just going to give my picks out. <laughs> me and me and nah, Tyler, pull up. Nah, pull up because I want you, I want your picks on tape just for bad. Yeah, pull up, pull up, man. It's a party. Everybody's invited. Listen, we have hey, screenshots hey, nowadays. We have screenshots. I can screenshot this picture for everybody to see. Got apps for this. Cookie man in check with rapid fire. We got space for Mac, bro. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Football team, thank you so much. Thank you guys for joining me here. And I'll see you guys on Sunday for the kickoff show. Take care. You're watching. Yes, and and Mac's going to stick around for the NBA. Let me bring in Falco. You're watching the sports hit list by the fans and for the fans as we transition to our NBA segment. People Falco's know what, coming this is what in. the NBA do. This is what the NBA does. We kick down doors and take over segments. Bro. Yes, we do. Where's Falco? Fal Falco's too busy fixing his background. Falco, can you see me? We're on live, bro. I don't know what he's doing back there. There he is. Falco, how you doing, sir? Yo, which club you just came out of? This guy is Falco, ready. can you hear me? Yeah, baby. How you doing, man? What up? Bad day to be Tom Kenny. Just bad day to be Tom Kenny. Uh, uh, coach just asked you what club did you just come from? The hell is he talking about? <laughs> he's talking about your shirt. Listen, you, like you came out of a club. That's you're what looking he's straight. <laughs> you're looking straight. No, I, I, I do it right. That's why. Meatpacking <laughs> district, baby. Uh, Meatpacking. You guys are funny. So last night, the Lakers lose to the Denver Nuggets, a uh, 2-1 lead. Uh, the talk of the town was Anthony Davis and his rebounding. I believe he finished the game with two rebounds. Coach, what are your thoughts about uh, game four and the uh, Wonderful performance by Jamal Murray to uh, finally get Denver in the series. Uh, I mean, we all knew. We still think, I still think the Lakers will win the series. But like I always said, Denver is going to be there. They're not bowing down to anyone. They're playing loose. They got young players who know that they have a long career ahead of them. So when you're playing with house money, like everyone says, you have no pressure on you. You know, game one, throw it up in the air. They just came off of, of everybody kept saying, they could win game one because the Lakers lost the first two rounds in game one. Well, so did the Denver Nuggets in their first two round matchups. They lost game one as well. Game two, flick of the dawn. You know, Mason Plumlee doesn't cheat and gets over that screen and contest an Anthony Davis jump shot. Maybe the series is 2-1. Or maybe if they would have won, lost game two, the Lakers come out more inspired in game three, which is what I look for them to do in game four. Come out with more inspiration and play harder from the beginning to the end. That second quarter, and this is where I give critique when you have to give it. That second quarter lineup was atrocious for Vogel, what he had out there with LeBron James. That's that's the that's the lineup that I think cost them the game that let Denver balloon that lead into 17 points. And I, I did not agree with that lineup. Uh, Falco, what were your thoughts about game four? They came out Game flat, three, I'm sorry. Got... Game three, game three, sorry, game three. Got to give credit to the Denver Nuggets. They came out firing. I mean, I, I don't think they could have been hotter through three quarters and the basically the third quarter is where they just broke it open. But I definitely want to touch more on the fourth quarter when they were down 20. Rajon Rondo, again, I'm going to apologize. He was sensational on the defensive end. Well, I'll give you that one. That was a bad take. But Rondo has been sensational in terms of the defensive side of the ball, LeBron in transition. But I definitely want to talk to when they did cut it down to three. LeBron looked gassed, and Anthony Davis looked like he was about to pass out, literally. 
The thing with LeBron, I, I, have, a, I have a little flashback. 2017 in the shop, his HBO shop, Paul Rivera was talking about the 2016 finals of game seven. He asked LeBron and uh, Draymond Greening. He said, aren't you guys like tired? Like people, you guys going down the court, 89, 89. Aren't you guys tired? LeBron goes, real mofos never get, don't let yourselves get tired. He says, you think you're tired. Maybe you'll put your hands on your knees, but it'll never creep in your mind. You're tired. That was the first time I think I could remember that LeBron actually looked tired. He had, he had 13 fourth quarter points, but once it, once it came to 3.30 left, he really looked like he had nothing left. And that, I think the Lakers really had this game in the bag, and they blew it at the end. Anthony Davis looked like, again, he was going to pass out. But that's something that really stuck to me. LeBron saying that real mofos never let themselves get tired, that's almost something that I took personally in my everyday life, no matter what the circumstances, whether it's lifting, whether it's me playing baseball, playing high school basketball, pickup basketball. When I'm tired, I say, I'm a, I'm a, real, I'm a real one. I'm not going to let myself get tired. I could rest after the game. I was a little disappointed by that. But I guess it does show that LeBron is aging. We, I've seen him in the past play 48 minutes, 45 minutes. Doesn't look like he broke a sweat. Yesterday, he looked completely gassed. All right. Uh, the pastor's in the building. Pastor Mike Miller, how you doing, sir? What's up, fellas? So what were your thoughts about game three as the Denver Nuggets got into the series last night? Oh, what'd you say? What was my... Um, um, thoughts about game I'm three. Sorry. About game three. About the oh, Nuggets yeah, yeah, finally yeah. getting into the series. Um... It was an interesting game three. And I think right now people have to understand, stop taking the, the chicken McNuggets for uh, granted. Like stop, stop disrespecting them. Like at some point we just have to see them for who they are. They are legit and they are not going to quit. Like so there were probably thoughts like, oh, they're probably going to give Yo, up. Yo, what's that? Mike, was that a, a MC Hammer reference just now? They are legit and they will not quit. <laughs> yo, yo Mac, the bars are just there. I don't, I don't even plan it. They just come out, yo. Like yo. I'm still, I'm still a rapper at heart, baby. I can't do nothing. About that. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, I think it's just it's one of those things where the Lakers are going to have to knock them out. There is no oh, they're going to be emotionally destroyed and they're going to quit. It's not going to be any of that. Denver is going to continue to play hard, play hard, play hard. Oh, my God. And look, see, he already in here. With, can you wait? So, you you so, fall back so, sideline. Wait, let me, let me walk. Oh, my God. So, 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 so we have Ray Jarvis in the building from the great area who's, uh, I guess, vice president of the, of the Laker uh, Nation Brooklyn Division. Uh, what were your thoughts on game three last night? I, I am the chairman of the Brooklyn division. Don't let nobody tell you different. Sorry, <laughs> Ed. Uh, I see Mikey Bad Takes is back at it again. But uh, if you want to talk like about not to be giving me Mike, nicknames, Mikey Bad Takes <laughs> <Bad Dick>, is <laughs> back at it again. But I love you too, Ray. I love you too, man. <laughs> last night. We saw the Denver Nuggets actually fold and the Lakers not complete the run. They folded under that blitz, that defensive blitz by the Lakers. So I don't believe for a second that they don't have the capacity to once again fold when things get tight. If the Lakers decide to actually play a four-quarter game as opposed to waiting until the fourth quarter, the Lakers would be okay. I fully anticipate and expect a game four victory and a game five closeout. 
let's let's not get carried away. I know click media is out there. They're talking about oh the Lakers in trouble. They could have, should have, would have. They they so suck on the, the game winning shot from game two that they forgot that the Lakers control game two and took their foot off the gas. Game three, they, they tried to coast through before they started wilding up the nuggets in the fourth quarter and ran out of gas. The Lakers are fine. The Lakers are fine. I repeat, the Lakers are fine. All right, moving God. along to. Yo, call, call, ask him hey, no, nah, we gotta, we yo, gotta yo. touch that. We, <laughs> we gotta, gotta touch that. that. Hold on, we gotta. Hold, hold on, hold on, Mike, Mike, Mike. I'm gonna need you to just take two steps back on your camera, bro. Just two steps back if you can. All right. Yo, we gonna ask. All I want to ask is a quick question of what Ray just said. Nah, so he said, in game, Mike, bring he your said camera it, back more, Mike. Bring your camera back more, bro. You gotta fix your headroom. Oh, sir. Oh, oh, for the back. Oh, all right. my fault. My fault, bro. There you go. That's good. Perfect. Thank you. Ray said in game two that Lakers took their foot off the gas. They was in control. Why can't you say that about the Nuggets in game three? They was up 20 in the fourth quarter. They were smacking them from the second quarter to the fourth. Why you can't just say, well, the Nuggets took their foot off the gas, and I'll then that's that. why... Oh, 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 I got... Hold on. I'll, I'll answer that. You know... That's um, a legit question. Quick, quick, quick. The, the, the reason how... that The way that the Nuggets slowed down... I don't know if it was Vogel, maybe it was, and then I definitely need an apology, or it was LeBron, who knows. But when they went to his zone defense, the Nuggets looked lost. That zone defense was perfect. They trapped They trapped whoever had the ball, and that's when their Nuggets went cold. They're ripping it from three and man-to-man. Once the fourth quarter came, Vogel made an adjustment. Hats off to him. Apologies. I give my apologies that I've killed Vogel for. He finally made an adjustment, and that's how the Lakers really got back in the game and started on the defensive side of the ball with Rondo. Ray, I mean, do you agree you with what you said? You can't say that you're apologizing to Vogel because Vogel's been coaching, uh, doing a great job of coaching throughout the playoffs. This wasn't his first adjustment. In each and every series, there have been little tweaks. There's been little personnel moves that people don't talk about. Unless in certain scenarios, if the talking heads don't tell you to look for it, you don't even notice it. The Lakers do a lot of mixing and matching with their personnel so that it's not as simple as just switching. It's about where do you place Anthony Davis? What play do you place him on so that when a switch happens, he can rotate easily? This is what's been happening with the Lakers. The Lakers last night, to, to Michael's question, Mikey Bad takes, um, the difference is you had one team that actually went on a defensive rush. The other teams made shots, and the Lakers stopped defending. In a half-court offense, LeBron was pounding the ball in game two. They weren't actually running any actions. It was a bad look. Then you look at game three. Denver didn't take their foot off the gas. When it was up 20 after my man punched it, uh, Murray, the Lakers decided, you know, we're going to attack these guys. And they folded. It wasn't like they folded instantly, but with each possession, they realized that the passing lanes were clogged. Rondo was trapping. Admittedly, he got away with a couple of fouls. They didn't know what to do with that. Frankly, they didn't know what to do with it the entire fourth quarter. There were a few keynote possessions to where there was a missed alley-oop by Kuz. There was a couple of times where LeBron came up the ball, came, came up the floor, AD was gassing. Instead of AD just getting himself in the post, he kind of took himself out of the play. The Lakers did not complete the run. That is the difference here. If the Lakers completed the run, it's 3-0 right now. We're having a totally different discussion. So I'm not going to allow Click Media to act as though the Lakers are in trouble or the, the people who are in the bushes who need the Lakers to be in trouble to boost up yet again. And we've lost three times, and every time the Lakers lose, it's the end of the world. Knock it off. I'm not buying it anymore. Well, Ray, unfortunately, you know what, Ray? Stock. Ray, unfortunately, you use the, the word that we don't use on the sports hit list. I don't give a damn. You, we don't you really use, use that word. I use that word every day. <laughs> we don't use that word around here <laughs> in the streets. You don't use but, that uh, word. But, but moving on to the Eastern Conference, Coach, what are your thoughts? Miami's up 2-1. We saw the Celtics were able to finally break through the zone. Um, in game three, what are you looking for in for, for game four tonight? Funny you mentioned zone and adjustments, and that's what I expect. I, like, I don't expect Denver to be stifled by the zone, per se. I'm not saying they won't be stifled, but I don't think the zone 
next game is what's going to cost them if the Lakers and what I think the Lakers are going to have a, a good showing. But to the Eastern Conference, uh, I truly believe tonight we will see 2-2. I got the Celtics winning. I think the Celtics are the better team. I think the Celtics should have oh. been up. Uh, you say don't use ifs, but um, I think they should have been up. Go ahead, Carl. They should have been up 3-0. I mean, they could have easily been up 3-0 to me. I think they have seen some little tweaks. I said it on this on this uh, show. Kemba Walker resurgence will happen. I, I said it, and it has happened. And if he's playing the way he's playing with those Jalen Brown and with Jason Tatum, I just don't see the Celtics losing in a seven-game series. Hayward, what he does against the zone is he's 6'9". He can pass over the zone. He can hit mid-range jump shots. And he's always, since college at Butler, been a great distributor. And he plays with a lot of patience. And that's what you need against the zone. Jason Tatum doesn't have that kind of patience. Brown doesn't have that patience. But Hayward has that patience at 6'9". And he allows them to do different things against the zone, which we saw last game. I expect the Celtics to do no different tonight. I have them winning tonight, even enough the series 2-2. Mike, do you agree with Coach Womack's breakdown for game four for tonight? Absolutely. That's why he's the coach. It's phenomenal. <laughs> and, and, and just to buffer that point a little bit, that, that, what Gordon Hayward presents now is he gives them their closing lineup. So they play those four, they play their four, their three stars, Gordon Haywood and Marcus Smart. And now they can switch everything. Uh, you can put Jalen Brown to guard Bam. And so that that was causing the uh, the Heat a lot of problems. So I think that as as Max said, that's the better team. And so I think they figured some stuff out. Brad Stevenson's found ways to attack the zone by by penetrating more and telling them just to attack Duncan Robinson a lot more because he's shooting threes and they're gonna make him play defense now. And so I think Brad Stevens did make the adjustments that he needed to make. So to everything Coach said, the Celtics are the better team. I look for them to even up tonight. Falco, do you agree with the panel? 100%. Just to piggyback off that, I thought this, the Celtics are the better team. I thought the Celtics were going to go out to get out to an early lead, maybe be up 2-1, even 3-0, which they had the lead in each of the three games by 14 or more points. The Heat, they're always in the game because of three dudes who shoot the lights out. Duncan Robinson, I mean, he touches the ball, the ball goes out, the ball goes in. Tyra Hero, same thing. Lights out from three. And a lot of people are sleeping on Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder has been automatic. With those three guys shooting the lights out, you can never count the heat, no matter how big the deficit is. That's why the heater in this game, I'm not hopping off the bandwagon, though. Celtics in seven. Ray, what are your thoughts on game four tonight? You, should, you hate to see three guys in this panel be so wrong, boy. Jesus Christ. But um, the Miami Heat are going up 3-1 tonight. They're not going to shoot as badly as they did in certain segments of the game in game three. The Celtics have continuously shown that they have problems retaining leads. I'm sorry, Carl. Don't expect to be up 20 or 15 to 20 so you can have a buffer before you blow the lead. It's not happening. The Heat will shoot better. And we're talking about adjustments and Brad and Brad and Brad and Brad. Um, Spoles on the upside, one of the best coaches in the NBA, and he has adjustments for the adjustments. He will win by five plus tonight. Three one, pack it up, Celtics. It's okay. You're just afraid of the Celtics in the finals against the. I don't Lakers. care That's about the Celtics. I've been it's telling y'all. Okay. I've been that. telling you okay. about the Heat all playoffs. Stop. Don't don't do that, Carl. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay, bro. Celtics. It's okay, man. It's okay. All about the Heat, Carl. It's okay. It's okay, bro. It's okay, bro. It's okay. It's okay. I I don't recall. I don't recall. I don't I don't recall. But let's move to the topic of last week. LeBron in his presser saying he was pissed off about the MVP voting. Um, we have that. And we also have Brandon Falco saying that the MVP award itself 
is overrated. Mike, what are your thoughts about LeBron's comments and about how he's not upset about Giannis winning? He just doesn't like the voting system, and he believes people don't watch basketball. What are your thoughts about that? First of all, first of all so many. I'm not going to do too much. <laughs> I'm going to try not to do too much. But, Carl, when I just saw the little, the little clip, of him just saying what his his position on the MVP, I was like, LeBron, you a crybaby. Then I saw the larger clip of him bringing up 2012 and his defensive player of the year award. Then he talked about Devontae Graham not getting. I said, well, hold on, bro. First of all, Brandon, you bugging. There's no way you telling me being the best player for six months it means nothing. But that's number one. We put that to it's the great, side. It's great, First of all, I don't agree that LeBron only is mad that he didn't get more second place votes. You ain't never heard nobody in their life say, yo, man, I wish I was second place higher. No. (laughs) And so the reason he's mad because he lost and and what it was key what LeBron said. He said, are we watching basketball or narratives? LeBron, the reason you were second place was a narrative. The narrative was, oh, nobody in their 17th year can play this good. He's in the Western Conference. He was in the East and dominated. He had a narrative too. Every year in the MVP, there is a narrative for each player. These these people watching, they're watching all of the games. They're digesting everything. And just to be clear, he does not have an argument over Giannis. Not one. Giannis had individual stats better. Giannis had a better team than him. Giannis didn't have a dude averaging 27. Like, there's no argument. I, to be real, I thought it was disrespectful that Giannis wasn't unanimous. Mm. Ray Jarvis, what do you think about this whole LeBron saying the, the voting system for the MVP award? What are your thoughts? First and foremost, I find it laughable that Falco says that it's overrated. But when we had our debate, it about is. LeBron and Kobe, you, you you brought up his MVP awards as, as part of his resume. I brought so. up a million things. Hey, no, 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 no. You, you got to be quiet now, Falco. Don't do that. Quiet. I can't. I can't understand what you're no, talking you about right rookies, now, bro. You and these <laughs> no, 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 you can't either. You can't hey, either. I, I'm I, just I, saying, I, I, don't, all I'm saying oh, is, Brandon, Brandon, all I'm saying is don't bring it up if it's overrated, okay? You, you're undercutting yourself. That was one of the many, but that was in my main Um, But to Carl's question, um, I, at this point in, in LeBron's career and me being a spectator of LeBron, that man just be talking. And, and, and it's like sometimes he just says stuff and it's just like, bro, like if, if Braun was my man, like he'd be the dude that we tell to shut up half the time because he's just talking like, bro, we know what it is already. You was never getting MVP. Why do you care about second place votes? Shut up, bro. Go buy a drink. Meet us by the bar. Stop well, we talking. Know. I'm tired of LeBron talking. He's just a talker. Okay, Coach, what are your thoughts Jason, here about I, the MVP and LeBron's who, comments? Do you, who, do you have any inside Jason, tips on that? Listen, man. Uh, first and foremost, Brandon, I know you said debate, you debate Mike, and I will never debate this because it's not a topic I want to debate. I'll watch somebody debate this. But clearly, it means something if one of the greatest players of all time is sitting down during his finals, I mean, Western Conference finals interview, Presser, when he said he was going to use this entire time to what talk about- What did I say? I said wait, let me finish. 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 It oh may not God. mean nothing to you. Who are you to say it means something to you? Of course, it don't mean nothing to you. It means something to the guys playing and their legacies and when they retire. So don't Dude. say regular season doesn't mean, maybe not to you and what you want to debate, but it means something because players kill for that. 
They talk about it till they're 50 years old, 60 years old. They said Shaq is still other. upset about losing in 06. Come on. Exactly. About it, man. What we got to really recognize here is that it Brandon is, is using this angle because it's convenient. I respect oh, it. Yeah, we know that. We know that. We know that. We know why LeBron decided to talk about this now. And you gotta, like, you gotta decipher LeBron's comments because like Ray said, he does talk a lot, but he doesn't just talk to talk. Everything he says is a knife stabbing at something that's been in the back of his mind. The reason why he brought up 2012 is because there's something that LeBron doesn't have that Jordan has. He, it was a perfect escape for Giannis because the conversation wasn't about Giannis' defensive player of the year. How did we mm. get to that when we were talking about his MVP? Exactly. LeBron brought that in because he knows he has three years left at or two years left at this rate to be one of the best in the world. And his window's closing, and he's looking at those lists. Championships, he gets another one, he's closer. MVP would have made him closer. Another, now, the next topic, boy, oh, boy, if the Lakers win, which I have them winning, and he doesn't get finals MVP, that's the next blow-up that we're going to see from a lot of the LeBronians Chapter mm -hmm. three, verse sixteen. And, and coach, They're gonna go crazy. <laughs> coach, let's just be clear, LeBron. To, to coach's point, everything he does is with precision. Even this season, he was trying to win MVP because yes. the coach's point. It is about the list. It's not about anything Brandon is talking about because Brandon knows better. We see you, family. I do know better. LeBron measures every maneuver of his career since since he left Miami and got back to Cleveland everything has been precision so we're not gonna say anything is overrated because we know better ask Braun he know he know go Falco to the front of the congregation make your case that M the MVP award is overrated I'm saving that for you because I'm gonna cook you cook you like I do my chip while I got well my ticket tonight sure oh, sure thing I don't care what LeBron is saying about the MVP award or that like they care about it because when you're we're defining legacies, you know who defines legacies and where we rank? It's us, fans and media. That's who's ranking. So I don't care how much it means to them at the end of the day. But I'm gonna I want to address the regular season MVP being overrated another time. But in terms of 2013, the defensive player of the year, he actually had a case for that because Mark Gasol won where second all defense. But hold on, time out, Brandon. You gotta hold on, Brandon. You gotta well, go through your history. Wait, wait, wait. No, no listen, wait, I got it. I got it. You garbage. You got to say, because I got to school you. In 2013, you wasn't probably watching the NBA. So you don't even know who voted. Right, so who, who voted for him to Eight win? Eight years who ago, voted, he was who, 13. Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait. <laughs> who, voted, who voted for Marcus Gasol to be second team all defense? And who voted for defensive yeah. player of the year in 2012? The media? No, the players voted in that time. They changed that vote. See, you don't know your history. The pl the players voted for the team. The media voted for the defense. Yeah, yeah. let me walk so off to You can't talk to the coach. You got to come correct. Let me walk off oh, to so Hold on, hold on. So we're taking All right, Carl, we told you. Stop bringing the player. Brandon, I love you, but you got Let him get back. Let me get back in it. I want to see. Go but I guess if we're going to take the players seriously, because we know they have each other on their agendas, first of all. But so that's the whole, that's my whole point. That's so the point. Get these awards are overrated. The regular season awards are overrated. That's another, that's one of my many reasons. They're overrated. People have each other on their own agendas. Stop it. And LeBron making his case against Giannis. No, he didn't have a case. He did not deserve MVP. I don't. Even, I honestly don't believe he should have even been second in the MVP. If he was fourth in MVP, I would have agreed with that more. 
between what Harden did in terms of his scoring with 34 points a game and Luka Doncic was sensational. Man, this whole argument he has is such a slippery slope. That's a whole I I don't Carl has a show to do, but this is a slippery slope. Yeah, man. Talking about who's supposed to be second place and come on, man. Yo, Carl, this is the new yo, Carl. I told you this years ago. This is the new world we're in with LeBron. Second place is all that matters now. We don't care. What are you talking about? Second place. Go, go, Go ahead, coach. Coach, go ahead. What's up? So what what award matters to you, Brandon Falco? This, this, I already know the finals MVP. That's it. No, no, no go for two weeks. I want this to say this is what, I, this what, is what award I means more to a player's legacy than the regular no. season MVP. In, in your body of an individual's body of work in the postseason, as well as the finals and finals MVP. That I, I just MVP. asked you. Uh, so the finals MVP. Finals MVP. More to you. That, Wait, that in your individual body of work in the playoffs. okay. That's so the finals MVP is voted on by the same media who votes on the season MVP. Good night. Yeah, so good night. There's a the media vote the regular season MVP award. There's a narrative in the finals. But it's not the media. But wait, but wait a minute. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, Falco. But let me bring something else up. Steph Curry has two MVPs, but no finals MVPs. So where's his legacy then? What his legacy the is nowhere. Why do you think Zeke is better than him though? Why is Zeke better than Steph Curry according to Carl Kalanj? Who's Carl don't that's think? A, that's, no, that's a debate. That's, that's a debate. That's a debate. That's, that's a debate that's because his legacy is not done yet. Zeke's legacy is not over yet though. That's not a debate, but it's not a debate though. So what? But so what? I'm going by what you said, Falco. You said again, again, Steph Curry has zero finals MVPs and he needs it to define his legacy. So what are you it's saying? The same then? Media. His, so what narrative, are you saying his narrative is he he chokes in big moments. He never the narrative. You he just said there's no narrative. The big shot. It's not that's not, not true. true. You Why just said there's no narrative. It's not true. It's not true. He's over eight. Not true, bro. In under ten seconds in a postseason game. Hold on, hold on. Can I give you a stat? Can I give you a stat? They gave one yesterday. Can I give you a sad? They gave one yesterday. They said Jamal Murray's clutch time points. Skip Baylor said it today. Jamal Murray's clutch time points, he has eight of them. The only, the last, it's tied for second. You know who number one is? Stephen Curry. He did it in 2016. So this idea that Stephen Curry isn't clutch in the postseason is a lie. No, but number not. one, it's happening. I just gave you that. Hold on. Brandon, you said that in the regular season, they have narratives. In the postseason, they don't have narratives. They have narratives oh, in both. No. gave us a narrative of <laughs> Stephen Curry in the postseason. Oh, Ray was actually, no. Ray was actually right about LeBron. No, wait, that, that was you, Mike, who, who said LeBron had the narrative the 17th season. That's actually why LeBron actually had some first place. Yeah, it's a narrative. Mike, it's always a narrative. I believe always that. a narrative, bro. There's always a narrative. Hold on, hold on. This is my it's point. This is my point. It's a reality show. It's a narrative. Yeah, yeah, let hold, on, hold on, hold on. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Brother, cause, to, brother. To, to date, to date. From October 17, 2019, till today, September 22nd, 2020. Who's had a better season? LeBron James or Giannis Antetokounmpo? We know it's Giannis. What do you say? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? What, what is in the Heat series? Are you kidding me? What? Are you talking about from what? now? It's a regular season award. Oh, not from now to the this, playoffs. Are you kidding me? What are you talking about? Why now to the playoffs? What? It's from now to the regular season. I said October. Listen, October 17th, 2019, of today, September 22nd. Today encompasses Who's had the better season. You know what a regular Brandon. season award is. Today I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I say hold on, wait, 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 wait. Which includes the postseason. Which includes the postseason. 
Brandon, Are you wait. kidding me? <sighs> breathe, bro. Are you serious? Oh, man. Take, take uh, a breather. Hold on. <laughs> ask the question. I'm saying the, do you hear what I'm saying? I hear you. Oh, but what man. I'm saying is, if we're talking about a regular season of war, we can't fold the playoffs. In. I'm not saying that. I, I, I believe that it should, instead of an MVP uh, and, or if there is an MVP award, we should uh, all go okay. the most You know what I believe? That goes that's fair. Brandon, that's you know what I believe? Hold on, Paul. Thank you. Let me say what I believe. He said what he believes. I want to say what I believe. He got a 30 team. Bro. Bro. And we don't account anything. I want to say what I believe. LeBron is the best. Brandon, is that okay? Real quick, Ray. Let me say what I believe. Okay, good. Go ahead, Coach. Final thoughts here. Final thoughts, because I got one more segment on deck. Go ahead, Coach. I believe. Oh, the man. children are our future. Man. Teach them well. well and let let them lead the way. Mr. Randy Watson. Mr. Randy Watson. Give it up for Brandon Fowler. Yo, I want the chocolate. Hold on. After the finals, <laughs> after the finals, I want to debate. Someone debate more. You have to raise Oh I man! Make the season. Oh, so, well, so, what are you, so Brandon, what are you gonna do when AD gets Finals MVP? Oh man, he's that, gonna jump he's off the Verrazano Bridge. That's what he's gonna. That, do. That's actually a real possibility, and it will. The championship would not impact LeBron's legacy the way it would if he has Finals MVP. So, oh, what are you man. hoping for? What are you hoping for? Who are you hoping for? Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yo, I'm yeah. I'm oh, tearing uh, up over there. Oh my god, I can't. I can't. I can't. All right, guys, 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 guys. Thank you so much. Um, I'm looking forward to the NBA Finals. We'll do a post game after every game. One more question. Let's go. Uh, now, heat. Listen. Let's um, go. Heat. Let me tell you something real quick. Let me tell the fans real quick that Greg Poli has developed. Shout out to him. Uh, we're gonna start going lives with three minutes left in the fourth quarter for the NBA Finals. Break so down the games while we're watching. Ooh, for the like like Special shout out to Greg Poe. That's gonna be fire. Yeah, yep. That's that's that's, that's Greg. That's gonna be fire. No, so yo, that's gonna be fire. Fire. not gonna be safe. against me one on one. The regular season MVP is overrated. You're fine, Brandon. Bro. Do you right, want the good. smoke, Brandon? Do you want the smoke? I don't come out the house. You're like you're blue. Come out, Mac. I want you to come outside. <laughs> All right, Brandon's gonna stick around for his debate against Tom Kenny. Guys, I'll see you soon and uh, go Celtics. Sorry, Ray. Let's go. Arrest the guys that kill Breonna Taylor. We need justice, baby. We need justice. All right, see you guys later, Mike. Take care. All right, let me bring in Tom Kenny for our final debate. Uh, that was a little spicy. That was really good. Brandon, I'm going to give you some time to cool down. You need a drink of water. You're okay? Uh, it's, it's hot. <laughs> you need to drink of water. Two came to take. I don't know if you Man. just watched that last debate, but it, it got Brandon really hot to the point where oh. he was going to throw something at the camera, and I'm physically in tears. It was probably one of the greatest segments we've had here on the Hitless Live. No, that's what uh, I bring to the table. That's what I bring to the table. It's yeah, it, 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 was, it was definitely entertainment. Special shout out to the fans for watching that. That's some good stuff I have to pull later on. That we're gonna make that's unfortunate. I was wait, I was waiting here, <laughs> but uh, today we're here to talk about pitching in baseball. Which which is more important, starting pitching or closing pitching? This debate kind of sprung up based upon our Mount Rushmore series closing pitcher. So we thought we would bring this to the front of the congregation. Uh, from the comments that I read, it seems like everyone's in favor of Tom Kenny winning this debate by a landslide. But uh, Falco is here to prove to us that closing pitcher is more important than 
the starting pitchers. So Falco, the floor is yours. Make your case. I want to touch on the roles of the positions because the casuals don't understand because they say, oh, basic math, six innings to seven innings versus one inning, right? I want to, I want to like actually talk about the roles before I get into any details of it. A starting pitcher, you have your role. You have your set date. You're going to start every single game, right? You have your pregame ritual. You have your lifting program, your throwing program, your running pro- program. And in that, for in the very first inning, it's a different, it's three, it's two different, like, it's outs, you're, different outs you're getting. When you're getting outs, when you're starting versus ninth inning, the ninth inning is three different outs that are different in any, in any other game, right? So the starting pitching, you could make a mistake. You could take time to settle in. You could have a scrappy first inning, go down three, nothing, give up a three, one shot, three run shot. And you're, you're still, your team still has a fighting chance. If you, if you really wet the bed, you've got guys behind you in, in the bullpen, right? Now I want to talk about the closing role. Closing role is mentally draining, and I believe it's the most difficult role in sports next to quarterback. If you want to say a quarterback is tougher, I'm totally with that. But I think closing pitcher is right there next to it. Closing pitchers don't know when they're throwing. They don't have a routine, and they're expected to be robots and be flawless. When you enter the game in the ninth inning, you make one mistake. Your team loses, and it's all on you. You get all the blame, right? Other guys, the, there's a reason why closers don't last very long or their primes are super short. We've seen guys like Edwin Diaz, look at him now and burst what he was in 27, 2018, I believe, with Seattle. We had 58 saves, 1.5 ERA, right? Other guys can't sustain that because of how mentally draining it is. Going, at, You're basically relied to throw every single day. We see teams collapse because when your closer goes two days in a row and you need that third day, you don't have a closer. That's when it lights up. We've seen teams like the Yankees. I remember in 2017, or Wallace Chapman couldn't find the strike zone. He couldn't close, so he had a Del Patanzas had to take over. We see Del Patanzas being a top five talent of a relief pitcher in the MLB, right? When we go, but when he goes to the ninth inning, he's erratic. He doesn't have control. He can't close out games. It's a different mental stage being a closer than a starting pitcher. That's why I believe it's more difficult and also more important. When we look at the postseason or any great teams we seem like the Astros when Ken Giles lost it that's when the Astros were basically exposed Justin Verlander having historic runs Garrett Cole same thing but their bullpen sometimes lights it up and that's when they got exposed if you can't have a guy who you can ride to get the three outs which there's not many closers in the MLB people will say oh there's 30 closers in the MLB no there's not there's probably about 10 to 15 if you that you could count on we've seen Craig Kimbrell being oh he may catch Mariano's record no he lost it K-Rod he was he was uh, the strikeout machine, and then he lost it. Now we see Edwin Diaz, the same thing. Tom Kenny's a Mets fan, right? Last year, why did the Mets not make the playoffs? One reason. His name is Edwin Diaz. A 5.5 ERA as a closer and an uh, all-time record of ninth-inning home runs, 14. The Mets had 31 ninth-inning – allowed 19 oh, – excuse me, allowed 31 home runs in the ninth inning. If you can't close games, you can't be successful. And this is not to say that the starting pitching is not important – or it's like not important at all and you can just run on a bullpen or a closer you need both to win a championship and i'm a believer pitching starting pitching bullpen and closer is is more important than hitting but if i had to pick the two starting or closing a closer is more important because they're harder to find dk the floor is yours yeah so uh we're debating here what's more important and it's an easy answer it's it's starting pitching now of course closing is important and if you have a closer that's a great addition to your team that's like football that's like having a great tight end but that doesn't equate to wins and the way you want to look at this is really it all boils down to follow the money carl 
We got to follow the money here. Now, who gets paid the most in baseball? Starting pitchers. Starting pitchers. Brandon, bro, I let you talk. Have some respect. Starting pitching. Uh, the top 10 salaries in MLB are starting pitchers. And then outside of that, you have Mike Trout and like uh, Albert Pujols and Miguel Cabrera. But it's all starting pitchers. You look at Mariano Rivera, the best closer of all time. No one's going to argue that. He's top salary from 2010 to about 2013, I believe, was $15 million. That's the most money he ever made. Now, Kevin Brown, a starting pitcher, was getting paid $15 million in 1999 to pitch for the Los Angeles Dodgers. You follow the money and you see the importance. They're going to pay these starting pitchers and they're going to pay them for longer. They're going to give them long contracts because they know how important it is to their team and how important it is to being successful to have those starting pitchers on their team. So they will pay them long longer and for more money. Mariano Rivera never had longer than a four season contract, which was from 2001 to 2004. Every other year he signed single season contracts. Cause like Brendan said, the closer position is so volatile that you could see a guy go from an expert closer and then blow up and be terrible like Edwin Diaz. So therefore, how is that the most important position? If it's the most risky, you don't want to take a unsafe bet. You rather the sure bet of a guy like Jacob DeGrom, Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole. You want a guy that's going to go out there and pitch for you. Speaking of Garrett Cole, he is making $36 million a season this season for the Yankees. Uh, he is making the most money in the MLB, more than Mike Trout, more than anyone else, because starting pitching equates to wins. If we look at World Series champions just from the past couple of years, who was the Nationals closer last year? It was Sean Doolittle. He had an ERA over five. They didn't have a closer. They still won the World Series. You look at all the World Series champions for the past Six years going back to 2014 with the Giants, every single staff except for the Kansas City Royals had a Cy Young Award winner on their staff because pitching is important. You build around your starting pitching, and then everything else falls into place. The bullpen will fall into place. That's why you can see a guy like a Dennis Eckersley, a Mariano Rivera, people like that start out as starting pitchers, or even a guy that's not even well-known like that, like um, oh, I just had his name. He was on the Mets a couple years ago. I'm forgetting his name. Uh, doesn't matter, but we'll just familiar. No, not familiar. It was oh. it was a uh, Rafael Montero. Rafael Montero. Okay. He was with the Mets. Got cut. Didn't play for a whole year. Now he's coming out of the bullpen and finding success. He's not a closer, but he's still coming out of the bullpen to find success. Because starting pitchers, if you can't cut it there, they will give you a chance in the bullpen. That's what they did with Mariano Rivera, and he found his success in the bullpen because he couldn't cut it as a starting pitcher. Because starting pitching is the most important place. You never see someone not cut it as a closer, and then them have the manager or have the coach say, "Hey, let's put him in the starting." pitcher's role that's not important maybe you can find success there as a fifth starter that doesn't happen you see a guy like john smoltz get injured and miss a whole season he came back and for three years he was a closer and he was so damn good at it he's a hall of famer they finally said you know what you go back into starting pitching and he had an excellent hall of fame career therefore if you look at the money and you look at the way teams build around players it there's no argument that starting pitching is the most important you cannot win without starting pitching starting pitching and defense wins championships so Falco, what are your thoughts on TK's argument about the money? He's I don't I don't care about money. I want to talk about actually baseball and actually winning games. He said, <laughs> wait, hold on. According to Tom Penny, starting pitching relates to wins, not pitching, starting pitching. I'm a I'm a, I'm I'm totally with you on pitching, period. Like both the starting pitching, bullpen, and closer relates to wins. But Jacob DeGrom in 2018, why was he the Cy Young winner when he only had when he went 10 and 9? I thought starting pitching relates to winning, right? What happened? It 
does. He won. He won most of the games that he didn't have a lot of losses. He still won. There was a lot of no not decisions. Even, he was giving up like one, two runs. It's his offense wasn't coming through for him. But and finish the sentence. Why did Jacob get paid? Whoa, whoa, whoa! Finish the sentence. They, why did Jacob Degrom get paid? Because he's the best pitcher in the MLB. Yeah, because he's important. Whoa. Wait, wait! Why aren't you finishing the sentence? You said the Mets couldn't hit, and who was in the ninth inning? Why? Who couldn't close out games? That has nothing to do with it. That's what are you talking about? That has nothing to do with it. That has nothing to do with the importance of a position. That has nothing. The Mets, what the Mets did last year has nothing to do with the importance of position. The fact is, Jacob DeGrom is a great pitcher, so they gave him the big contract. He he deserves it. I'm I'm with you. He's the best pitcher in the MLB. Because he's the centerpiece of the team. Edwin Diaz is not the centerpiece of the team. If Edwin Diaz was the centerpiece of the team, he'd have a more important role. Edwin Diaz's ERA right now is under two, and he's still not the closer because you know what? He's not good at being the closer. Okay, we'll put him in the bullpen. He's still got an ERA under two. He's still contributing. Jacob DeGrom is the center of the Mets team. Why? He is the most important player on that field. Why is why is his game why is his starts not correlating to wins when a certain someone in the back of that bullpen is not closing out games? And before it was Edwin Diaz, it was Juris Familia who was just as bad, just as erratic. It doesn't matter because if Jacob Degrom doesn't get them to the ninth inning, what does it matter? He holds down the team. He allows one run, two runs, maybe less. And then if the bullpen blows it, that is terrible. That is terrible. That happens in baseball. That's why you see in the World Series in 2001, they brought Randy Johnson in to close game seven. And you saw with the Giants in 2014, they brought in Madison Bumgarner because the starting pitcher is where you put your money because it's your best pitcher. It's the most important position on the field. So they'll bring in their best pitcher who is undoubtedly their starting pitcher to close the game because they need a good pitcher. And that's what they're building around. It's not core. It's yeah, but certain if it's if your bullpen's not closing it, it's not correlating to wins. Jacob DeGrom's performances weren't correlating to wins. Yes, because of the offense and because they didn't have someone to get the last three outs in the ninth inning. The last three outs in the ninth inning are different than any other outs in baseball. The a bat the bats are different. The approach is different. The crowd energy is different. The bench energy is different. You, it's not easy to just find a guy, and it doesn't mean you can have talent. A guy who can throw ninety eight plus and have a sick breaking ball and be a closer. That's why Delta Tances can't be a closer as talented as he is he mentally can't he mentally can't do it and more of my argument is that it's just a more difficult role to not only find a closer but to maintain a closer and actually get those last three outs of the ninth inning because the championship teams are finding a guy who could get the last three outs of a of a big game that's why that's why the Padres struggled because Trevor Hoffman couldn't get the bit last three, the big the last big three outs as well Trevor Hoffman did it 601 times in the regular season and he never won a title yeah they and got swept in the World Series with one of the best closers to ever live. They still got swept. Yeah, and and well, was he important? <laughs> and the whole net. Well, hold on. The whole narrative in 2004 was Mariano blew it. It's all on Mariano because in game in game four, I believe that's where the that's where the whole rally started. That he let up that that dink, the the stone base from David Robertson, and that's where the chaos began, and that's why the Yankees lost. It's all on Mariano. The whole it just it, there's so much pressure and the amount of pressure to get those last three outs. Okay, so Falco. Falco. Okay, okay, guys, guys, real real quick, I have a question from the congregation. Who, Falco? Who would you rather have in the playoffs, uh, Chapman or Degrom? Degrom, because he's better at his. He's no, no. He's better at his role than Chapman is at his role. That's why. If you want want to make the question, Mariano Rivera versus Jacob Degrom, and taking Mariano. Why? Barrio, that's not the question I asked you. That's not. You can't change the question. That's not what I asked you. You can't change the question. Because you're because you're asking the best pitcher in the MLB versus a good closer who's who's proven to be inconsistent, which a huge reason why the Cubs won the World Series in 2016 was a Rolda Chapman's where they absolutely abused him and they ended up winning the World Series. You know he did. they got lucky. He pitched that game seven. He pitched like crap. Exactly. 
And that, and that, and that's what actually let the, uh, in, that's what let the Indians back in the game. They overuse them. You're relied to come in the game basically every single day. And the days where your closer is not available, that's where you lose games. You see with the Yankees all the time when Chapman wasn't available, they tried to give it to Britain or they tried to give it to Batantis and everything blows up. If you don't have a guy to get those ninth, that get those last three outs in the ninth inning, you're going to have a very difficult time winning. And that's really why that's the sole reason why the Mets didn't make the playoffs last year. The Mets had a pretty decent team. Yeah, they're often struggled, of course. Their starting pitching was loaded, but Edwin Diaz was a disaster. 31 home runs in the ninth inning last year. How are you okay. expected to how are you expected to make the playoffs like that? Okay, guys, final thoughts here as we wrap up the show. TK, final thoughts with this debate about the, the importance final of the thoughts. Time. It's easy, Carl. It's easy. I laid it out. It's all about the money. You can look at football. You might have a Rob Gronkowski or uh, a Tony Gonzalez on your team. You might have a great asset like that, a tight end, which is kind of like the closer. You might have a guy that could really go out there and help you, but it doesn't matter. You're not going to win unless you have the quarterback there. Tony Gonzalez never won a title because he never played with Tom Brady. Same thing goes with baseball. You need to pay your most important players, and they do pay their most important players. Seven out of the top 10 salaries are starting pitchers because they are what you build your team around. If you have a solid starting pitcher, you will win championships. Look at everyone who has won championships in the past. They might not have had the best closer, but they definitely had starting pitching because starting pitching without a doubt is more important than closing because you cannot get to the ninth inning unless you are winning for those first eight innings where the starting pitcher is probably pitching two thirds of that, or maybe even all eight, if he's going long here, then you get to the closer position. Then you can have those last three outs, but you don't get to get those last three outs unless you have someone at the beginning, getting you there like Jacob deGrom last year would get the Mets there and then they would blow it. Still, they would never have gotten there without Jacob deGrom. If you throw out a guy there who's got five and a half ERA, it doesn't matter who your closer is because that guy's going to lose 16 to 17 games all by himself and you won't be in a playoff race. Uh, Final thoughts. I, my main argument is that it's more difficult, which I said, which I said, but I still also think it's more important given that a closer, you never know when you're coming in. It's you you're chilling all game and all of a sudden the phone calls up, get hot. Then it's like, Oh, you guys, you you don't need him right now. Sit back down. Then it's get hot again. You're up and down, up and down. And then you're supposed to come in and sometimes you're coming in the eighth inning to get a four out save runners on base expected to hold guys on. And you have to be flawless as a closer. There's no room for error. One bad pitch. Not only a game could be blown, but in the postseason, your season can be over. A starting pitcher has their own routine. They could settle in. They can make mistakes. They could they could let up runs. They could let up home runs. And you could always get bailed out because not only you guys have behind you, you got a lineup to help you out as well. A closer does not have anyone behind you. It's all on you. The pressure's all on you. And if you blow the game, it's all on you. You get all the blame. And if you sit and if you save the game, it's basically that was your job to do. I think it's just so much more difficult. And as well, it's it's just it's more important because it's not easy to find a guy you could just get, you could rely on to get those last three outs and ninth and giving you got to be flawless. Starting yeah. papers, room for our own. Well, we have another Falco, com- there's only one man in the field. And I think is the closer. He has no one behind him. <laughs> well, someone else just made another comment. Falco based off the comments, doesn't seem like you're winning here. Someone said, what's the point of a closer when the starting pitcher is pitching a shutout? Close out the game. Cause they're not, they're not always getting to the ninth inning. You can't finish a game without a closer getting the last three outs. I mean, a pitcher, a pitcher could pitch a perfect game, though. A starter could pitch a whole game. And pitch no, a well, you know, I mean, perfect games. I saw David Cohn do it when I was a kid. There's been about 23 perfect games in MLB history. But that means it's still been done, though, without having yeah, a closer come done. in. 
I mean, we, we even have no hitters. There's been a ton we, of those. We have no hitters too, though. You need a guy you can rely on to get the last three outs of a game. My main argument is that I just believe it's more difficult. I believe, that, was my, that was my main argument. That's why I want to do this segment. I've wanted to do this for a while. I believe it's a more difficult role than starting. So that means you're agreeing well, with Tom Kenny to close it out? No. I, no. Are you I'm, agreeing I'm not, that's the most important? Is that what you're saying? My main point is it's a more difficult role. That's why How could that be your main point if the question is more important, though? I'm, I'm just trying to understand. Because you guys didn't agree to change it. I still, I wanted to, I wanted to. Why did you want to change it? What? You were so confident last week, though. That's my, that was my, that's what I was trying to get, but I was rudely interrupted by you on the uh, closer segment. Listen, there's no rudely interrupt. We're the debate show. This is what we do. Like, we do this, man. There's no rudely interrupt. You want to talk importance? You want to talk importance or difficulty? Importance and difficulty. I think it's more difficult to face a lineup the third time around when they've seen you throw your best stuff and your arm is thrown 85 pitches than it is to come out and get the last three outs. You're already leading when the closer comes in. Yes, you need some mental toughness, but you're throwing at 100% the last three innings. Guys that didn't get to watch you all game, I think it's pretty difficult to get through that lineup the third time around. But you're, you're a pitcher. Wouldn't you agree to that? That is tough to get through the lineup the third time around? Well, I've done both. And no, because when I start, I could settle into a groove. And once I get moving, it's a wrap. The last, the last three outs of the ninth inning. One, I don't know when I'm coming in or what scenario I'm getting. I don't know how much I have time to Probably work. coming in the ninth when, inning. When I, when I get in the game for the last three outs, the approach is different by each hitter. The umpires call the game differently. The bench energy is different. The crowd energy is different. If you're going to tell me with a straight face that the approach of every hitter in the ninth inning is the same thing as innings one through eight, you're sleeping at the wheel. All right, guys, that'll do it for the sports hit list by the fans and for the fans live on the worldwide sports radio network. This has been one of the most entertaining hour and 20 minutes <laughs> of my lifetime. I, uh, I le- 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 legit started crying when he broke <laughs> with Falco. I don't know what I'm going to do with you, man. I don't know what I'm going to do, but uh, it was definitely entertaining. Thank you for all the fans who tuned in. Special shout out to the sports hit list group. Um, we couldn't get through this live without you guys in the comments and pulling up. So I definitely appreciate it. Uh, make sure you tuned in on Sundays at 1230 to kick off your NFL. We got week three coming up. We're going to start doing some lives with the NBA finals looming. Please make sure you guys are staying safe and practice social distancing. Uh, Falco, throw a quick shout out to your podcast where anyone can find it. The Falco Takeaway, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, providing sports content just about every single day. Anyone who ever wants to come on to the debate, always welcome. I bring the heat. Thank you. Uh, all right, and I'll talk to you guys soon. I'll see you guys. Uh, let's start practice. Let's start building for next week's. I'm, I'm gonna be on the chat talking to you guys about what topics can we talk about. This was definitely a fun one. Uh, you guys, make sure you stay safe. I love you guys, and I'll talk to you soon. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.